I'd like to start by praying. Um, so, amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Lord, thank you for tonight. Amen. Lord, we'd like to see what you have for us in the book of Daniel. Amen. Lord, open this matter to us amen. about companions, about enjoying you with one another. Really like to know how to flee and how to pursue. Amen. Lord, enlighten us during this time. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, it's so good to be here on Thursday for another Solid Ground, the second Solid Ground. Uh, my name is Travis Rigsby. I um, graduated in 2015 from UNT, and um, since then, I, I went to a Bible school, and now I'm working in Dallas. I'm married. I don't have any kids yet, uh, but I have a house and I have a little dog, and uh, we have a, a happy life. So it's awesome. I'm living here in Denton, right above, right north of TWU, and so the drive to Dallas is about 40 to an, 40 minutes to an hour. It's not bad. Um, I can pray. I can sing in the car. Um, but what I really wanted to get into—that's kind of individual, in, enjoying the Lord in my car. But what I really wanted to get into is this, this matter of Daniel and his companions in the book of Daniel. So, <clears throat> in the book of Daniel, the first chapter, I just kind of want to go through um, the backstory of where the children of Israel are in the book of Daniel. So, the children of Israel had um, they have had degraded to such an extent where Jehoiakim, the king at that time, had been besieged by the king of Babylon. And that's the king of Babylon was Nebuchadnezzar. And you might have heard this name before in Sunday school or some church service. But Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a very good man. He... Um, he took over Jerusalem, and he took the vessels out of the house of God, and he transported them into his house, into actually the treasury of his house, which was um, related to idols. He took them from God's house, the vessels. He put them in his treasury house, which had to do with idols, and not only so, but he, um, he took some of the young men from Jerusalem, from the children of Israel, and he brought them before him into his palace. And uh, among these children of Israel, there were some from Judah, Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. It's good to know these names because these are the names that they had previously before he changed their names. So <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar worshipped another god. Um, he worshipped idols. He, uh, he, you could really say he was, he was opposed to Jehovah God, which is our God, Jesus, Jehovah uh, in the Old Testament, his name was Jehovah. And so what he did with these, with these young, it actually says it's children 
He brought children. So you get a sense of, these are, young, these are really young people that he brought into his palace. And what did he do? He, he wanted to train them in all the knowledge of the Chaldeans. And if you're familiar, familiar with history, actually Abraham was called out of the land of the Chaldeans, which Chaldea was related to idol worship. So here are the children of Israel. Here's the youngest of, you know, some of the children of the children of Israel. And they're brought into Babylon, a land of idols, and they're under a king who's corrupt to the uttermost. And they're taught um, the Chaldean language. They're taught, um, what does it say? It says, he taught them the learning and the language of the Chaldeans. And not only did he teach them this, he also gave them food and wine to drink. You know, I was just considering this. These are young people. And he's giving them a daily portion of food and wine. Um, and they're, so their, their diet has changed. He changes their diet. He, uh, he wants to totally assimilate them into that Babylonian culture. These are the young children of Israel. And so among those were Daniel, Hananiah, um, Azariah, Mish, uh, Mishael. Yeah, maybe we could all say it. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Okay. So he didn't just change their diet, he actually changed their names, as we know. He changed their names to Daniel to Belteshazzar. He changed Hananiah's name to I think it's Meshach, or no, Shadrach. Mishael, he changed to Meshach. And Azariah, he changed to Abednego. Right. So all these names, actually, it's really significant. Their previous names were associated with Jehovah God. Let me just, let me just read you um, a little note. Daniel meant God is my judge. But Belteshazzar, which is what his name was changed to, meant Prince of Bel. I don't know who that is, but it's, a, it's an idol. Okay. Hananiah meant Jah has graciously given. But he changed Hananiah to Shadrach, which meant enlightened by the sun god. Okay. <laughs> Mishael, who meant who is what God is, to Meshach, who's... His name meant, who can be like the goddess of Shaq? Azariah, <laughs> this is ridiculous, right? Means Jah has helped. Okay, Jah is a shortened version of Jehovah. Jah, which is God. Okay, he changed Azariah's name to Abednego, meaning faithful servant of the fire god Nego. Okay, so he changed her name. Their name is related to their person. He changed, he wanted to change their identity. He wanted to change their diet. He wanted to change what they knew. He wanted to change their name. And he wanted to, he wanted them to be before him. This is Nebuchadnezzar for three years and um, and, and learn, you know, just be 
totally immersed in this Babylonian culture, this Chaldean language. So you, you kind of get the picture. This is what the enemy at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, wanted to do. He wanted to totally assimilate those people into the culture. Okay? So, um, this is quite negative, sorry. But uh, this is what was going on around the time of Daniel, when Daniel was written. And, uh, and I, would, I would say that this is what's going on today, actually. So, you'll notice the title says, Daniel and his companions as a parallel of our experience. Okay? So, there has always been a struggle in the universe since creation of God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And you can trace this line through the Bible, uh, starting with Genesis 1, actually. God created the universe, and then it became waste and empty. Now, do you think God did that? No, no, he did not do that. It became waste and empty. Thus, you have this, you have this struggle from the very beginning of, of creation, and there's also this struggle in Daniel. There's also this struggle now. You know, the, our culture wants us to learn, you know, the different... Uh, different things that would assimilate, assimilate us into, we're living in America, it's the American culture. Um, if you're living somewhere else, it's another culture. Uh, there's, there's billboards when you drive down the road. I see tons of billboards when I drive down the road on 35. I open up my phone and I get my, you know, the news app is there. Actually, I don't have a news app anymore, but <laughs> I deleted it, amen. Right. <laughs> um, but I have Instagram still. And so, you know, I look through Instagram, there's, there's ads, and if you have people that you're following that you, you know, you're not that close to, they'll post things, and you know, it's just like so many defiling things that you can really touch in our culture that will, will and if I can use the word again, defile us. It really, def it really it, something comes in. You don't realize it, but you're picking up something. It's almost like your diet is changing. Um, and even, you know, in school today, it's just crazy. You know, the, the teachers, uh, the philosophy. I'm at work, and my, my boss has a certain philosophy. And we'll talk about it. And I, and I realize, you know, his philosophy is quite different than uh, what I believe in. I, I'm not sure if he's a believer. I've talked to him about the Lord, which is awesome. But uh, anyways, this, this age is, you know, it's, it's getting darker and darker. But hallelujah, we can be today's Daniels. We can be today's Daniels, and we can stand against the kingdom of darkness. In the New Testament, Paul calls it the kingdom of the authority uh, of dark. Help me out. Is it the... We're transferred out of the authority of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. This is what happens when we get baptized. So there's two kingdoms in the universe. So, um, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to do the blanks just yet. I want to continue. I guess this line. So there's two. 
there's two kingdoms. And I'm just going to read Daniel 1.1 under point A. There's Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And in Daniel 1.1, it says, In the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon. You can fill up Babylon. He was the king of Babylon. He came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And in Daniel 4.30, the king responded and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I have, I have built up as a royal house by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? You know, I, I'm, I wasn't going to share this, but you can kind of... Actually, there's another instance where someone else uh, presents his kingdom to um, another person. And he says, I'll give you all these things. It's Satan to the Lord Jesus in the wilderness. He says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you, I'll give you all these kings. I'll give you this kingdom. Um, you just need to bow down and worship me. This is what Satan says to the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Anyways, this is, this is actually, this is a principle. It's seen in Nebuchadnezzar too. And so then you have God's kingdom. In Daniel 4.31, says, While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice came down from heaven. To you it is spoken, King Nebuchadnezzar. The kingdom has passed on from you. This is God's kingdom. The kingdom has passed on from Nebuchadnezzar. Now it's God's kingdom. And then you have Daniel 34. And at the end of these days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is when, this is, uh, there's a lot of things that happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but one of them was he was humbled because he realized that the heavens do rule. There's another kingdom that's higher than his. And uh, the heavens are the, the heavens are the ruler, which is God. God in the heavens is the ruler of the kingdom. Or he has the real kingdom. So, <clears throat> Um, so you have Daniel, right, and his companions. Daniel had companions. You know, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to assimilate Daniel and his companions. He gave them the food. He changed their names. He wanted them to totally be assimilated into this kind of culture. But, but Daniel, this is, I love this verse. Daniel was absolute. This is the first characteristic of Daniel. He was absolute, he said in Daniel 1.8, But Daniel set his heart not to defile himself with the king's choice provision and with the wine that the king drank. So he requested of the leader of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So you have Daniel standing against the, the, the enemy. You have Daniel standing against uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his desire to bring them into what he's doing to worship his God, to eat the food that's sacrificed to his idols. Here's Daniel standing against, and he's not doing it alone. This is the key point. <clears throat> you know, when I was saved... I actually had a companion that led me to the event where eventually I got saved. 
this was, this was my best friend, my best friend Colton Pettyjohn in Midlothian, Texas. It's a weird last name, but he was my best friend. <laughs> we did a lot of things together, but this one thing that we did together changed the course of my whole life. And um, I got saved. My dad baptized me that night. And... Um, and then Colton and I, we went to look for people that had the same experience that we did. You know, we were, we realized to some extent that the, you know, there were a lot of things that we were doing that we probably shouldn't be doing. And so we wanted to flee. You know, this is key. We really wanted to flee. And we wanted to pursue something else, which I don't think at that time I knew I wanted to pursue Christ. But now I can boldly say, I'm pursuing Christ. And I'm pursuing Christ with all of you. It's so awesome. So um, after that, I moved to Denton. And I looked for the same thing. It was, it was kind of like a spontaneous, innate desire in me to look for people who were pursuing Christ, who were pursuing this wonderful person that I met in high school. And, uh, and luckily, when I was in Kerr Hall, I was praying. I was praying one time in my dorm room. I think I was on like the, like the seventh floor or something like this. And I was praying, and, uh, and the, Lord, the Lord set up a Bible study table right at the entrance of Kerr Hall. I don't know if we're still able to do that, but you know who was there? Tom Wells. Tom Wells was there. And uh, Jonathan King, he was there. And they, all they had was a, sh you know, a white piece of paper, with, and they wrote Bible study on it with a Sharpie, and I think they taped it on there. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know. <laughs> so I signed up. And uh, sure enough, Tom calls me, uh, and anyways, I, I got joined, you know, I got joined to some more companions. Colton was still in, in Midlothian, and I, and I, you know, I moved away. I think he was at a community college. I moved away, um, and so I, I met Tom, and then eventually I met this other brother. I say brother because he's a brother in Christ. I met this other brother named Josh Sung, and uh, maybe some of you know him, but he was like a peer, you know, he was my age. Actually, he was a little bit older. He, uh, <laughs> he was maybe, I think, a junior when I was a soft, when I was, yeah, a sophomore, and he would call me when I was in the dorm, when I was a freshman. He would call me, so he was... Yeah, he was a sophomore and I was a freshman. He would call me at 7 in the morning. And many times I didn't answer because I slept in. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to wake up at 7 in the morning. And, but when I did answer, we would pray. We'd read the word. We'd fellowship. He was really my companion. And I can say uh, that not just, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between a friendship and a companionship. And I didn't realize this until I, I became acquainted with Josh Sung. 
You know, this brother was very different from me. <laughs> the Chinese brother. And I'm American, you know. He, I use Q-tips, and he used this little thing like a pick for his, to clean his ears. Uh, I didn't, you know, I've, never, I've never seen that before. I've never used that thing before. He likes basketball. I like playing soccer and uh, baseball. Um, he played computer games. I didn't play computer games. Um, there was, anyways, I'm trying to think of more things. I get along with most people, but, <laughs> but this, you know, we weren't necessarily, it's not like we had a lot of things to talk about, you know what I mean? Other than Christ. So he would call me and we'd get together and we would, we would enjoy fellowship with one another, praying with one another, reading the word. Eventually I met another young person. He was younger than me. His name's Philip. <clears throat> and this brother was on fire for the Lord. He became a really awesome companion to me. And he was more on fire for the Lord, I think, than I was. He just, whenever I got around him, I got lit up. You know, it was like, I really wanted to pursue the Lord. You know, this is the key, actually. Uh, there's this verse. Let me just read this verse at the very top. Let's, actually, let's all read it together. 2 Timothy 2.22. Ready, set, go. But flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So really, you could actually define a companion by this verse. So firstly, it is those who call on the Lord. It's a very simple definition. Those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is a real companion. You know, this, this really distinguishes, you know, between a friend. Is a friend someone? Can you, can you call on the name? Can you say, Lord Jesus? Lord Jesus, I love you. You know, with that person. So, it's really good to know that a companion is one who calls. You can get together, you can call on the name of the Lord. And I remember, you know, I was with Philip. And, uh, you know, the calling on the Lord is just, it's, it's a very, it's just like praying. You're, you're inquiring of a person. You're inquiring of the Lord Jesus. So calling is very simple prayer that actually happened from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. I think it was like the third generation or something that began to call upon the name of the Lord. It was with Enosh. His name was, actually Enosh, his name meant frail. <laughs> How would you like to have a name that means frail? I wouldn't. But he realized he was frail and he called on the name of the Lord. So um, we should all realize that we're frail so we can call on the name of the Lord. It's good to call on the name of the Lord with each other. So Philip and I, we would call on the name of the Lord and we would get together and pray for his friends. I remember we would pray for this. We prayed for one of his friends named Zach. It was a, he was a soccer teammate of Philip's. Philip played soccer for the FC Dallas Academy, but he also played for Denton High School. <clears throat> so he had a lot of teammates that he was burdened for, and we would pray for them. I remember praying for Zach, and I was 
you know, we were driving in my truck and just praying for Zach. And then one time I had this opportunity where Zach wanted to hang out with us. The Lord arranged it. It was awesome. He wanted to hang out with us. Uh, and so we, we drove down to Midlothian. And uh, my, my family has a property. We have a creek running through it, it, through it and a um, uh, little house on the front. And, and it was really cold during that time. It was February. And we were driving. And we had been praying for Zach. You know, he was already saved, but he had not been baptized. So we were, I remember praying specifically before we met up for him to be baptized. And so we're driving in the truck, you know, down to Midlothian, and he's with us. <clears throat> and uh, it was just like the Lord was flowing for us to speak something about baptism to Zach. You could just sense it. And so, sure enough, we spoke something about baptism. He was like, when can I get baptized, you know, and how do I get baptized? And so, I, you know, of course I said, you know, I have a, we're going to my, my family's house, there's a creek. I know it's cold, but let's, let's go dunk you in the creek, bro. <laughs> so we went to the creek, and uh, we baptized Zach. Just, yeah, we fully immersed him in that creek water. And uh, we'd been praying for this. I mean, Philip and I were, we were companions, I would say, and we were praying for Zach's baptism. And it was, it was incredible. So anyways, that's just one story. There's, there's an there's another, you know, there's multiple with Philip. But then I had an older companion. I had Scott McCall, this brother. I could, his nickname for me was Scott McCall, always on call. I could call him at any time. I could go over to his house at any time. He gave me his, he gave me his garage code. And I could open up his garage. You know, of course, I would call him first. And I would, you know, I'd go over there and walk through his garage door and open up his fridge. And uh, he always... He always bought uh, like this organic whole milk, and I really liked drinking it. Um, <clears throat> we'd have a glass together, and we'd, we'd like, we'd just fellowship with one another. <laughs> That's kind of weird, but you know, we'd drink milk together and fellowship. I'd, I'd tell him my problems, and he would just listen to me and pray for my family. And uh, anyways, he was a dear companion, and he still is. I mean, I, I still... Talk to Scott. I mean, he's here in Denton, so. Um, anyways, it's so easy to flee and pursue when you have companions. I mean, you just read the story of Daniel. This, this brother, he had, him and his three companions, they were just knit. I mean, they, after Nebuchadnezzar would give a ludicrous decree, if you read in chapter 2, he, first he, he dreams something, and then he forgets his dream, and then he says, I'm going to kill everyone who's wise who can't tell me my dream, because I forgot it. Firstly, you need to tell me my dream, and then you need to interpret my dream. And he's going to kill you, he's going to kill people if, if they don't do it. So what Daniel does is he gets with his companions, he prays with his companions, and he actually, the Lord speaks to him, and he gets the revelation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He tells it to him. He interprets his, he, he not only tells him his dream, he interprets his dream, and he does this multiple times. It's incredible. 
And so Daniel with his companions were able to stand against the stratagems of the devil in Nebuchadnezzar, you know. So we're able, actually, our experiences, we are able to stand against the enemy today. Maybe we don't have a Nebuchadnezzar, you know, physical Nebuchadnezzar, but there's many <clears throat> things that are out there that try to feed us food. Eat this, you know, like take this in, drink this. How do we, how do we stand against, how do we not take those things in? It's, it's this key, companions. We're able to flee and we're able to pursue. Actually, this is, um, this is wonderful. This is one of the four characteristics actually of Daniel and his companions. They're absolute. They're absolute for the Lord. They set their heart. I hope that at the beginning of this semester, you would set your heart. You just set your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I set my heart. I don't want to have to deal with, I don't want to be in all those things that I, were, that I was in before. I want to forget. You know, we sing this song, forgetting the things which are behind. You can start today. You can forget the things which are behind and you can pursue the things which are before. This is what Paul says. So we need to set our heart. Daniel and his companions, they weren't, they weren't individualistic. You know, many times it's, it's hard for me, you know, to want to get with people because people have opinions. I have opinions. And, you know, people can impose their opinions on you. But when we get with the people of God, the, the result, the issue is, is a blessing. It's wonderful. When I get with Glenn, it's incredible. I love this brother. He has so much to fellowship. He's overflowing. And with Aaron, with Dumise, oh my goodness. It's so awesome. It's like coals, you know. You know when you, know when you make a fire and at the end, you know, coals will burn for a long time, even until the next day. And late into the next day, sometimes I've, I've witnessed. I was in the Appalachian Mountains with a, with a, with a companion of mine named Chris Clark. And uh, we were making a fire, and it started to rain. And it was like, it, it started coming down at one point. It was just like a torrent of, you know, rains. It was incredible. And so we kept throwing fire, you know, logs on the fire, and the fire kept burning and burning and hotter and hotter. And even though it was raining, just like torrent, I mean, if you were there, you would think, this is, I've never sat in a rain that, that is this hard. It's, it, was, it was crazy. But the fire was just raging. It was crazy. I've never experienced anything like it. And then the next day, the coals were still there. And you know why they were there? It's because they were together. They were together. The coals were still burning. The coals were together. And if you've ever camped before, you know you, you have to scatter the coals to put out the fire. So, and you can throw a lot of water on it, and they'll still burn if they're together. So the principle is the same. We need to gather together with the people of God. We need to pick up this crucial key that Daniel tapped into and that Timothy actually, Timothy tapped into, you know. He had companions. Paul was his companion. Um, I'd venture to say he had more companions, you know, 
one that was older than him. Paul was older than him. One that was younger than him. Even a peer. We need to have these kind of relationships with people, companions with each other. It's awesome. Okay, they weren't individualistic. They were men of prayer. They prayed together and they joined themselves to God's word. So these are the characteristics of Daniel and his companions. And I think you'll realize that as you begin to hang out more with us, you'll come into these things spontaneously. You know, I love our little motto that we have, or whatever you call it, slogan, under CS at UNT, pursuing Christ together. There's, it's critical we pick this up, actually. We're, there's no more Lone Ranger Christians anymore. And I don't think I would venture to say there has never been a Lone Ranger Christian. It's always been corporate. When God made man, he made, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> he made man a corporate people. We're meant to be with one another. Uh, I always think it's, it's very interesting that the, the ultimate punishment for our society is to take people away from people and put them into prison. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you just think about it. This is the punishment for somebody who commits a crime. You take them out of society and you put them into solitary confinement. They can't have, they can't, touch, they can't talk to anybody. Just consider, I mean, we need each other and even more so, we need this relationship called companionship. Um, and we're not just companions. You know, we talk about companionship with each other, but really our first companionship starts with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 